you take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the globe to bring you the latest developments in medical cannabis, adult marijuana, industrial hemp, and spiritual ganja. We love the earth. It's time for the Marijuana Agenda with Ross Belleville. Now, here's your host, Ross Belleville. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, January 30th, 2018, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And it's also got to be my last day in my 40s. That's right. Tomorrow is my birthday. Me and Philadelphia Eagles head coach Doug Peterson are turning 50 years old. It'll also be the start of a new era here at the Marijuana Agenda as I dial things back and go to a weekly podcasting format. And uh, we'll talk all about that tomorrow, uh, give you all the details of what's going on. It's going to be uh, less often but more packed and and longer. We're going to go back to the two-hour format. So uh, we'll talk, talk about that tomorrow on the birthday episode of the Marijuana Agenda. But for today's show, we've got kind of an interesting uh, confluence of stories coming from the automotive industry, or at least the auto uh, dealership industry. A couple of stories that come up at the top of the Cannabis Headline News that will be the subject of the rest of the show because I want to dig a little deeper into this. Some good news and some bad news coming out of the auto dealer industry. And uh, the what in the news segment is going to focus on something coming from Instamotor, uh, a survey on how many people have gone to work high. Have you ever gone to work high? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then in the Radical Rant segment for today, we'll get into uh, a... Actually, Radical Rant is going to be on the... Uh, I forget. One's one's one and one is the other. Let me make sure I'm doing this. Yes, the the what in the news, we're going to do the driving and uh, working high surveys. And then in the radical rant, we're going to get into drug testing. And if you know the history of why I'm here, it has almost everything to do with drug testing. It's the reason why I'm not uh, in a cubicle somewhere working behind a computer in the IT world. So uh, we'll talk about that in a radical rant that takes a deep look at drug testing itself, just the whole disgusting enterprise of it all. So we'll get to that. Also, we've got some uh, headlines for you in the cannabis headline news to get to that uh, we want to make sure uh, we got stuff coming out of Kansas as well as Virginia and the uh, a funny story coming out of Toronto, Canada, that we'll have to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, so let's get right to that. It's time for the Cannabis Headline News. This is your Cannabis Headline News. Brought to you by MarijuanaMoment.net, the complete source for all your marijuana news in one morning newsletter from Marijuana Majority founder Tom Angel. Subscribe today for free at MarijuanaMoment.net. This is your Cannabis Headline News for Tuesday, January 30th, 2018. I'm Russ Belville. Bloomberg reports that the largest U.S. auto retailer chain, AutoNation Incorporated, no longer refuses to hire job applicants who test positive for marijuana in drug screenings, Chief Executive Officer Mike Jackson said in an interview. The shift with which Jackson said was made quietly two years ago, shows that corporate America's hiring practices are evolving along with POTS legal status. Quote, if you tested positive for marijuana, you couldn't join our company, said Jackson. At a certain point, we said, you know what? That's wrong. End quote. 
AutoNation may represent the first wave of a coming trend as marijuana becomes more socially acceptable and companies vie for workers in the tightest labor market in 17 years. John Challenger, co-founder of Challenger Gray and Christmas, a Chicago-based employment firm, said, quote, Companies recognize that they don't screen for alcohol, so why would they do it for pot? As the war for talent grows and gets fiercer, it makes no sense to rule out a whole segment of candidates on something that is just no longer relevant. Meanwhile, the used auto retailer website Instamotor released results of its poll claiming that nearly half of consumers in legal states go to work high. Instamotor used the online polling application Pollfish to survey 600 marijuana users in states where recreational marijuana use is legal. Of the 48% who reported going to work high, a plurality of 39% do so weekly, with 17% monthly, 28% annually, and only 18% who hadn't done so in the past year. Of those who go to work high, half, 50%, believe they would be fired if it was discovered, despite nearly three in four, or 73%, saying they perform better at their jobs while high, and 74% saying they have gone to work high before recreational marijuana was legalized in their state. The Pollfish platform was cited as being more accurate than traditional pollsters in auguring the will of British people with respect to the Brexit vote. Republicans on a Senate committee killed a Virginia bill that would decriminalize small amounts of marijuana by changing the punishment from a criminal misdemeanor to a civil penalty. The vote to defeat the bill was party line, with nine Republicans on the Senate Courts of Justice Committee voting to kill it and six Democrats voting for the bill. Republicans in the House had already killed a similar measure. Virginia made 133,000 arrests in the past 10 years for marijuana possession. 84% of those were for a first offense. But but after advocating for decriminalization, Senate Majority Leader Tommy Normant from James City flipped positions, saying he changed his mind because a decriminalization bill would not survive the House committee. The Senate Courts Committee unanimously passed Normant's Senate Bill 954, a measure that allows someone charged with first defense marijuana possession to have the charge expunged. Lawmakers in Kansas have asked the state to declare cannabidiol illegal. County attorneys from two areas of the Sunflower State, Johnson and Shawnee counties, are asking Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt to declare CBD illegal because they say the ingredients are too close to the ones found in marijuana. On Monday, a bill was introduced in the state legislature in Topeka, which would make the penalty for possession of CBD the same as it is for holding pot. The CBD oil has been sought after... sought after by parents of epileptic children who gain miraculous relief from this non-psychoactive medicine. Recently, shops that carry the oil have had it confiscated in raids by police over its alleged scant THC content. Across the river in Missouri, CBD is legal for such treatment, as well as 15 other states, plus the other 29 that allow for whole plant medical marijuana. Kansas stands with only Idaho and South Dakota as states that allow no acceptable possession of CBD for medical purposes. Two Toronto police officers who allegedly ingested marijuana edibles, hallucinated, and called for help while on duty Sunday have been suspended, CBC News has learned. Both officers are under investigation by the Forces Professional Standards Unit following an incident that happened Sunday, according to a spokesperson for the Toronto Police Service. Over the weekend, Toronto police carried out a raid at Community Cannabis Clinic, a marijuana dispensary at St. Clair Avenue West. Sources tell CBC News the marijuana edibles the officers ingested are believed to have come from this dispensary. It's unclear if the officers participated in the raid over the weekend. This has been your Cannabis Headline News for Tuesday, January 30th, 2018. I'm Russ Belville.
You're listening to the Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville. Now that California has legalized recreational marijuana, you need to get the latest expertise on the rules and regulations governing this multi-billion dollar market. The International Cannabis Business Conference is the longest-running event of its kind in California. Join us at the Hyatt Regency San Francisco for the fourth annual ICBC and the first conference in California after legalization. You'll be treated to focused presentations from California's top industry experts, featuring the head of California's Cannabis Commission, Lori Ajax. At the VIP reception, you'll have the chance to meet marijuana legend and new cannabis entrepreneur, Tommy Chong. After the conference, you'll be treated to a VIP after-party featuring DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill. It's the International Cannabis Business Conference in San Francisco, February 1st and 2nd at the Hyatt Regency. Visit internationalcbc.com for details. Make sure you log on to internationalcbc.com for your tickets to California's first marijuana business conference under legalization. The Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville. Law enforcement is a part of the answer. It's part of creating a climate of hostility to drug use in America. Whatever you're smoking, it's not marijuana. Looking for the 420 friendliest way to visit beautiful legal potland, Oregon? I'm Lori Duckworth, inviting you to come stay with us at Delta 9 House and Studios. You get your own private room with queen bed and access to our high-speed Wi-Fi, premium entertainment system, and more. We'll even cook you breakfast. Look us up on Facebook at Delta 9 House. That's Facebook.com slash Delta number 9 house. Delta 9 House is booked through Airbnb.com, City of Portland, permit number 17-159855. People could say no to drugs. It's really, really easy. Adding more gasoline to the fire. Blacks are basically really tough, really big, really great to infect and rot our nation. Dangerous and gateway drugs. We don't need to be legalizing marijuana. To build and grow a stronger, healthier, and drug-free society. In the news. Well, today in What in the News, I want to talk about this survey we got from Instamotor, and it starts off by talking about recreational marijuana being legal in nine states now that we've added the state of Vermont, and it says, high is becoming a common state of mind. Uh, we know already 39% of cannabis users in these states feel comfortable driving while high, according to a previous Instamotor survey. What else are people doing under the influence of marijuana? Going to work, apparently. So the numbers behind let me get to the numbers first. 48%, this is the way that, that Instamotor phrases this, 48% of marijuana users have gone to work high. How often do you go to work high? 39% at least once a week, 17% at least once a month, 28% several times a year, 18% not within the last year. Of those who go to work high, 50% say they'd be fired if it was discovered. But 3 in 4, 73% say they perform better at their jobs while high, and 74% say they went to work high even before recreational marijuana was legal. So... Those are the numbers, but what I've got a problem with is the framing of this, and I, I reached out via Twitter to the author of the piece because I want to know what is the actual phrasing of the question. Are you asking people, hey, have you ever gone to work high? Or are you asking them, have you used marijuana before you went to work? 
Because that's a different question. A lot of people may have used some marijuana and then went to work, but didn't use enough of it to really consider themselves high, or by the time they get to work, no longer consider themselves high. See, this idea that you used marijuana and therefore you're under the influence of marijuana as a binary decision, not as a, a set of, of gradients, as a series of shades of gray here as to how high, quote unquote, someone might be. Plenty of people go to work having a cold who down some DayQuil or use some antihistamines. And they're not in their totally right sober frame of mind under those drugs either. But it's a, it's a tolerable limit. We accept they can have that little amount because it allows them to be productive at work. What about someone who's got anxiety? Going to work's an anxious thing for them. They take a little puff before they go to work. They're not high. They're not like contemplating the universe looking at their thumbnail or anything. But they're relaxed and able to work. I, we just have this acceptance of varying degrees of mind alteration based on taking opiate painkillers, benzodiazepines, mood-altering SSRIs, antihistamines, all these painkillers. That's all fine. We even accept people going out and having a drink at at lunch. Some, Some companies accept this. You can have a beer at lunch. You can have some wine at lunch. We accept that. But uh, we're worried about whether someone goes to work high. So I just want to know, what was the phrasing of the question? If it was, had you used marijuana before going to work, that's not necessarily people going into work high. But even if it is people saying they're going into work high, there's an old uh, stand-up comedy routine. I forget the comedian's name where he says, look, drug testing for uh, work is cheating because if I can go to work high and you can't tell... (laughs) What's the problem? <laughs> what is the problem there? Some jobs just takes a, a little bit of getting high to be able to do the job. I mean, the whole restaurant industry would collapse if people couldn't get high. Oh, my God. Have you ever washed dishes for a living? I have. <laughs> have you ever bust tables? I have. So this thing about whether or not people are going to work high isn't as frightening to me because I look at it from the perspective of someone who worked with people who were high all the time, (laughs) but it was high on prescription drugs, various types of prescription drugs they're legally allowed to take. I also looked back at this original survey because the the, the previous survey was the one they came out with a while ago. Uh, I forget exactly when, but uh, this is the one about uh, driving, right? And so they did one of these polls and they asked people, do you feel comfortable Getting behind the wheel, right? This is the one was, oh, my God, all these people who uh, want to drive under the influence of marijuana. They want to drive high. Well, this is also in the wording of the question. Here they asked, do you smoke or consume marijuana? And if you do, do you feel comfortable getting behind a steering wheel? Of the respondents who said they do use cannabis, they say the drug in the thing, but I'm going to say cannabis. 39% feel comfortable getting in the driver's seat within two hours of smoking or consuming marijuana. Of those same respondents, 42% do not feel comfortable driving, and 19% said it varies depending on the particular instance. Now, again, based on this survey, if this is the way they're asking the question in the driving survey, 
That leads me to believe that in the uh, workplace survey, they may also be asking, have you gone to work within two hours of consuming marijuana? Have you consumed marijuana at the, you know, uh, within two hours of working? Would be a different question. But at least on this driving question, we know exactly what they're asking. Do you feel comfortable driving within two hours? Well, for many people, that's a yes. For many people who have a built-in tolerance, who built up a tolerance to this stuff, to medical marijuana patients and long-time chronic cannabis consumers like myself, sure, you could smoke and drive within two hours. There's, again, levels of this stuff. It's so mind-boggling that we live in a society that sets a .08 blood alcohol content as the per se limit for when you cannot drive a vehicle, but below that, Below that, you just might be able to. We accept that there could be these low levels of alcohol use with some bit of impairment, and that's going to be fine. We accept people, again, on all these different prescription medications, these synthetic opiates, these benzodiazepines that have instructions that read on the bottle, until you know how fuck it all may affect you, do not drive or operate heavy machinery. So once you do know how to handle your high, go ahead and get behind the wheel. So I take these surveys with a grain of salt for one thing. And then for the other thing, um, do we have to be so honest on these surveys, people? <laughs> do we like maybe this is one of these instances where we ought to just like a uh-huh, sure. No, I go to work high. Why? I'd never do such a thing. Oh, that's one of the one of the downsides, I got to say, of the cannabis community. One of our uh, flaws, and it's, it's a good flaw to have, I suppose, is is the tendency to be a little too trusting and honest. <laughs> it gets us busted all the time. People believing they can just explain it to the cops and everything will be fine. And it 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 uh, it works its way into this sort of situation where pollsters are asking questions that that are going to make us look bad. I, I got to be honest about this. When these type of poll questions come across the general mainstream media, people start to question how much we should legalize. I don't think, like I said, I don't think we're going back as far as we got to lock people up and, and imprison them and ruin their lives over cannabis. I don't think we're going back to those dark ages ever again. But I do think the trajectory, our upward trajectory of freedom can be dampened can be slowed can be bent a little bit by these types of survey results that get people scared that get people think well oh well hold on now they legalized in eight states nine states now and people are are comfortable driving stone and they're going to work high see it just like they said it would happen and never underestimate the power of a moral panic to take root It, it, it just takes one sensationalized story One white girl getting killed on the news could overturn this whole thing and 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 lead us backward, get people back to being arrested. Now, I hope that uh, Congressman Rohrbacher and Polis, who just recently discussed this, you know, they said that, you know, the Sessions Department of Justice cracking down on marijuana, the way even this the rhetoric they're uh, giving out uh, these days is starting to galvanize support in Congress for finally doing something about banking, about 280E, about some of these issues that have been intransigent for so many Congresses that maybe the the hardline effort from Sessions and Trump finally gets us a, a rebound on our side. 
Uh, boy, it's a dangerous game to be playing. I don't know about this. I worry about these poll numbers, and I'll let you know if I get a response on that question. You're not going to amount to Jack Squat! <laughs> well, that might be appropriate for uh, 50th birthday coming up. Uh, thanks a lot, Chris Farley. By the way, if you got Netflix... Watch that new Will Forte movie, A Futile and Stupid Gesture, the story of Chris Kenny, the genius behind National Lampoon, Animal House, and Caddyshack. It's brilliant. I loved it. We're back with a rant about AutoNation and drug testing when we return. If you work in the cannabis industry, consume marijuana, or just support freedom, you need to know about breaking policy news that affects you. Marijuana Moment is the daily newsletter that helps you stay on top of all the latest and most important state, federal, and international cannabis developments. Brought to you by longtime legalization activist Tom Angel, Marijuana Moment puts a concise yet comprehensive overview of cannabis news in your inbox early every weekday morning. Wake up to Marijuana Moment and rest assured you'll be ready for the cannabis news that's driving the day. Subscribe now at MarijuanaMoment.net. The Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville. We've got to reestablish first a view that uh, you should say no. People should say no to drug use. they got to protect themselves first. Whatever you're smoking, it's not marijuana. The Marijuana Agenda is a listener-supported independent podcast brought to you by Radical Russ Media, LLC. Subscribe to our VIP feed at mjagenda.com for access to our ad-free podcast segment archive. Make a one-time donation to support the Marijuana Agenda at paypal.me slash radicalruss. Now, in the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Marijuana Agenda presents this anti-drug public service announcement. See this cute little vial here? That's crack, rock cocaine, the most addictive form. You think it's the glamour drug of the 80s? Well, that's the point of this fronted little reminder. It can kill you. And if you've got to die for something, this sure as hell ain't it. This has been an actual anti-drug public service announcement. To combat this and other drug war hysteria, listen to the Marijuana Agenda every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific at live.mjagenda.com or download the free podcast at mjagenda.com. Hey, everybody, it's Russ Belville from the Marijuana Agenda inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. You're not high. You're listening to the Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville. I'm astonished to hear people suggest we can solve our heroin crisis. Have you heard this? By having more marijuana. Okay, maybe you're a little high. The Marijuana Agenda free podcast is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
Google Play, SoundCloud, and on our Facebook page at MJ Agenda. Free video archives are available at the Radical Rust channel on YouTube. Help keep this media free by making a donation at paypal.me slash radicalrust. Total war against public enemy public number one. Ten federal criminal penalties for the one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. This is not medicine. This is a cheat and chong show. Encourage people to use less drugs. I am here. That was the point. I think it would be a mistake to leave the state. Negative reports coming out of Colorado. Don't smoke marijuana. Well, there's a lot of excitement in the online marijuana media, the the strain stream media, the baked news. I don't know <laughs> whatever we're going to call ourselves uh, about this recent announcement from AutoNation. Uh, they're the the largest online or the largest car retailer. I don't think it's just online. They have actual dealerships, but a lot of hullabaloo about their news their announcement about their pre-employment piss testing program. Uh, the story reads, quote, AutoNation Inc. no longer refuses to hire job applicants who test positive for marijuana in drug screenings, Chief Executive Officer Mike Jackson said in an interview. That's such a weird sentence. AutoNation basically won't disqualify you if you test positive on your piss test. That's what they're saying. Jackson said it was made. The shift was made quietly two years ago. They didn't make any announcement about it. They just stopped disqualifying people who were positive, which is kind of weird. You know, you think you'd announce it, right? If your problem was you couldn't get enough uh, applicants because you were kicking people out who tested positive for weed. Think of how many weren't taking your job application, weren't applying for your jobs in the first place because they were weed smokers. People like me who wouldn't apply for those jobs. You you would announce it so you get those people coming in. But Jackson said, quote, if you tested positive for marijuana, you couldn't join our company. At a certain point, we said, you know what? That's wrong. End quote. And, you know, I'd like to think that this aging baby boomer CEO, he's 68. I'd like to think he had this epiphany about the disgusting and tyrannical use of piss testing to discriminate against otherwise capable employees. However, it's really more likely that AutoNation just found out they're at a competitive disadvantage if they keep weeding out the weed lovers, especially now that so many states have expanded legal access for adults. Because the problem here is that when Jackson says that's wrong, he's referring to discrimination based on a pot positive result of a piss test, not that the piss testing for employment itself is wrong from the story continues quote auto nation will still bar anyone who tests positive for other illegal drugs including cocaine jackson said end quote why what would the presence of cocaine metabolites in a potential hire's piss tell auto nation about whether that person's a capable trustworthy employee now, the, the presumption, of course, is that ooh, someone with coke or meth or heroin or LSD or any other drug in their system that doesn't come from a barcoded bottle from a pharmacy, well, they must be a deranged, hopeless addict. Deranged, hopeless addict. They're going to endanger the company. They're going to endanger the customers. But that's not true. 
Most people who use drugs do so in a responsible and safe manner and don't have a dependency issue. Let me say that again. Most people who use drugs do so responsibly. Look, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, NIDA, which is hardly a pro-drug outfit, NIDA will tell you that 23% of individuals who use heroin develop opioid addiction. So, doesn't that mean 77%, more than 3 out of 4 heroin users, don't develop addiction? Why should those heroin users be considered any less capable as employees than the ones currently working with prescription for synthetic opioids like OxyContin? When those, when those working Oxy consumers develop a dependence issue, many of their employers will have compassion for them. They'll have employee assistance programs that grant them leave time, and, and then the company health insurance is now mandated to cover drug treatment. The unemployed heroin consumer, on the other hand, well, he might be forced to resort to more problematic ways of dealing with dependence. And a study in the Journal of Neuropsychopharmacology of over 1,000 new cocaine users found that 5-6% to 6 of them went on to develop an unhealthy dependence on cocaine. 5-6%. to 6 for comparison, a study in JAMA Psychiatry found that one in eight adults in America meets the criteria for alcohol use disorder, or what we call alcoholism. Yet alcohol isn't even tested for in the piss of potential new hires. Hell, alcohol was acceptable on the breath of workers returning from lunch in some of the places I've been employed. So we're not going to test for booze. We'll, we'll normalize its use at three martini lunches and company Christmas parties, and we'll accept it with a wink that those employees that are calling in sick after the Super Bowl or St. Patrick's Day or Cinco de Mayo, and hell, the, the rest of them who work hungover on a regular old Monday, but we're going to bar anybody testing positive for the powder drug that made Wall Street, Saturday Night Live, and the best music and comedies of the late 70s and early 80s possible. Okay didn't seem to impede their productivity any, or their creativity any. So, even the worst drug that most people think of, we're going to bar people with traces of methamphetamine in their system, but someone with traces of Adderall, which is just dextroamphetamine and amphetamine salts that produce the same exact effect as meth does, Traces of Adderall, that, that person's a worthy candidate. Look, if a person has a real drug problem, they wouldn't make it past the interview. The problem underlying these pre-employment piss tests is this fraudulent concept that an employer has the right to demand that a person who's not even yet in their employ must prove their innocence to unfiled criminal drug charges to qualify for the employment that is the prerequisite to living anywhere but the streets. Everybody, everybody, not just, not just the applicants for whom the employer might have a just cause to believe they have a dependence issue, everybody is presumed guilty of being a criminal drug addict until proven innocent by piss. Now, in Florida tried to piss test everybody who applied for welfare, the court shot them down. 
When a Missouri university tried to piss test everybody who applied for a degree, the court shot him down. When Georgia tried to piss test everybody who wanted to run for office, the court shot him down. All those cases were struck down because the government, in the form of the welfare office, the school, the legislature, cannot force you to submit to a search of your person without a warrant, absent a compelling government interest. Now, that, that compelling government interest can be as flimsy as offering welfare applicants a stupid quiz to manufacture a probable cause for compelling the piss test. It can be limiting the piss testing to, oh, just the kids who take part in athletics because uh, they might get hurt if they're high. Or even piss testing the extracurricular activities like middle school band and chess club. As long as it's anything but all students, you can piss test them. But when it comes to the workplace, well, folks, that ain't the government. As far as the law is concerned, you becoming someone's employee is just two private entities engaging in a voluntary contract between equals. Nobody's forcing you to submit to a warrantless search of your bladder. If you don't want to take the whiz quiz, why? You just don't have to apply for that job. It's voluntary. That's wrong. And it's not wrong just because you have to work or you can't survive. It's wrong because it violates our inalienable rights to privacy. The Fourth Amendment begins the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. It is read as a prohibition only against government intrusion on personal privacy, but, but I argue that is only limited in that scope because the Founding Fathers couldn't have imagined any other legitimate force aside from government that could unreasonably search us, that it would have the power to coerce us to be searched against our will. I mean, sure, you, like a, a brigand crew, a pirate ship, whatever, they, they could use muskets and knives to force us to submit to a search, but that would be rightfully recognized as a criminal use of force. Could the founders have possibly imagined the town blacksmith demanding a cup of piss from an apprentice to determine whether he uses opium? In a modern society, the employer has the kind of power over our lives that the authoritarian despots of the past could only dream of. It's long past time that we established the kind of protection from corporate abuses of our rights as we have from government abuses of our rights. This is not just the right to be free from piss tests as a determinant of our livelihoods. Current rights to birth control, abortion, and gay marriage are all resting on a vague penumbra of rights that are not spelled out in the Constitution, but inferred through numerous court decisions, which is a shaky foundation that is forever being chipped away at by regressive politicians. A specific right to personal privacy is needed that dictates that our bodies and all they produce and our identities and our genetics are our property. An act that spells out that our place in civil society and the capitalist economy cannot be determined by the composition of our bodies. That's none y'all's business. 
Follow MJ Agenda on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and follow MJ Agenda Show on Twitter. Learn more at MJAgenda.com. Everyone here at Delta 9 House of Studios, I'm Radical Russ Belleville. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow live with my 50th birthday special. A lot of blasts from the past coming up. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. Try it, throw it, smoke it, and it goes down.